Oh, the desert, it's lovely in its restfulness. The great brooding stillness over and through everything is so full of God. It is no wonder that he used to take his people out into the wilderness to teach them. Lilius Trotter. You're listening to Lavish Hospitality. This is episode four. Welcome to my table. I'm Kim. March is quickly coming to an end, and I wanted to get in a post for National Women's History Month before the month faded into the past. Biographies are certainly a genre that I gravitate toward, and that ones that I've read have greatly influenced my life. If anyone ever asks for a book recommendation list or some books that I really like, you can often find biographies on that list. One of the books I read over 15 years ago now is a book called Faithful Women and Their Extraordinary God by Noel Piper. And even to this day, it's one of my favorite books, and it's often in a top whatever list. Because hearing and reading the lives of these women that she includes in her book was so encouraging to me then as a single woman who is doing ministry and still impacts my life today. So I wanted to hop on here and start a series that I would love to continue here on the podcast talking about women of the past who have lived their lives for the glory of God and what we can take and learn from their lives. As I scroll through Facebook or Instagram feeds, I feel compelled to compare my life to the lives of those I follow. I wonder oftentimes why my Pinterest recipes don't look like the ones that I just pinned a a few days ago, or how moms get their kids to smile and sit perfectly still for family photos. I mean, you know the ones I'm talking about on the Christmas cards that you get every year. I've learned two tricks. Here you get free advice. One, bribe. I mean, I'm not above bribing or rewarding for sitting still, which often works. My boys are now seven and eight. And number two is don't take your own family photos. Um, yeah, I'm a photographer and even with a tripod and a click button or whatever, just don't do it. It's so much easier and kids will usually sit still for other people because they don't want to get in trouble more than they will for you. So those, that was just a little free advice there for you. Anyway, um, the, the thing with biographies is that they don't just give you the highlights. I mean, you learn a lot of the low times. You learn the people who influence them. You learn a little bit of their daily routine. You learn so much that we're never going to learn from the squares in social media. I was listening to Mike Cosper interview Tish Harrison Warren on his podcast a little over a month ago, I think. And she was talking about a trend that I guess, for lack of better words, the trend of cultivated authenticity. And being someone who has taught the word in front of people to other people for 25 years now, I get that. I mean, you want to be able to connect with your audience. You want to use an illustration that that particular audience is going to resonate with. When I was teaching middle school, Sunday school, I'm not going to use an illustration of, 
being a wife and a mother. When I teach college girls, I'm not going to use an illustration of toddlers. I mean, I'm going to say something more relevant to their position in life right then. That's one of the ways you connect. But here's an example thinking through what I see on Instagram is that people may talk about um, how their laundry isn't done and they show you a big picture of piled laundry that's all wadded up or their really messy kitchen. And they're like, wow, I mean, this is real life. I mean, my laundry's not done. Aren't we all like that? And maybe you can relate to them because your laundry stack is five times the size of mine. And I get it. Laundry piles up. I mean, I usually wait till the laundry basket's full and I ask my husband to take it upstairs and then I fold it for about 35 minutes and then make my boys put it away and sometimes they wad it up. So I make them refold it. (laughs) Or we have a stack of missing socks and I don't know where they go. Seriously, I don't know where they go. But another conversation for another podcast. Um, But that really is not authenticity. I mean, that's cultivated authenticity. Of course, you're being real. Like, hey, this is a messy kitchen right now. But more importantly, what might be good to say is, hey, I'm having to take care of my mom who is dying and we're just not home that much. So my laundry is piling up or My kids right now are super struggling with school, with relationships in school. So by the time they get home, maybe you're a working mom and you work outside the house. So by the time your kids get home, you're home, you're exhausted, you're having to parent and be in relationship with them and help them with homework and talk about the struggles at school. So you don't have time to fold the laundry every day or as soon as it comes out of the dryer. That would be authentic. Or maybe... Your kitchen's a mess because you haven't been able to say no in your side hustle because you crave attention and feeling wanted and that busyness. You crave it. So you don't want to say no because you don't want to miss out. And that's why your kitchen's a mess because you're busy doing your side hustle and not cleaning your kitchen and taking care of your home. That that would be more genuine authenticity. And just saying, hey, I've got a pile of laundry how re- how deep into your soul is that, that you have a pile of laundry? I mean, we all have to do laundry or get it laundered. So anyway, um, that's one of the things I like about biographies is it's kind of, I mean, yes, in a way it's cultivated because you don't see every bit of their life, but you see the hard times and you see the good times, not just one or the other. Um, Lilius Trotter is one of those women that Noelle Piper highlights in her book that I never would have known about otherwise. So this book, I read it in 05. This was before I did any art in any way. Um, But Lilius Trotter was an artist. She could have been a famous artist, but we'll get to that. She was not a hugely famous artist in the UK, but she was born in the mid-1800s. She lived in the UK. And when she was a little bit older, her dad died when she was 12. And later her mom noticed that a art teacher and artist 
was in town. So she gathered up some of Lilius's art, took it to him, and was expecting total rejection because she had never had any formal teaching in art to speak of. So when he said that it was really, really good, I mean, for a lack of better terms, she was so surprised. And so Lilia started studying with him and he saw so much potential in her that she could be known for her art and fill the museums and everything if she wanted to. So she kept going and she felt this pull in her life between ministry and art. And year after year, she would do both of them. And her art instructor mentor did not really think that she had the life of an artist in her because she wasn't willing to do it full time. So she had to choose. She had to choose whether she was going to do ministry or art. And for her, the two could not coexist together in a full-time way where she was really passionately pursuing the life of an artist and also pursuing the life of doing ministry. So she chose. She chose ministry. She knew that she couldn't serve two masters. So she decided that ministry was going to be her life. So after her mother died, she knew that she was going to be also taking care of her invalid sister. And she was single. So six months a year, she wanted to do that. And six months out of the year, she decided to go do missions in North Africa. And she went with her best friend, went to North Africa and worked with Arabic women, living among them, shepherding them, building a life with them, um, practicing hospitality, teaching them truth wanting to free them from the bondage of Islam and just share, share the truth of Jesus with them in a tangible life-on-life way. I think the really neat thing about the life of Lilius Trotter is that one of the main ways that we know about her 100 years, 120 years after her death is through her art. And she was able to use her writing, her sketches, her poetry, her art for art's sake, and like paintings or whatever. That's how we know her. And that was kept for us. And we get to see what life was like at the turn of the 18 to 1900s and how God filled her mind and heart. She lived through a lot of pain. Um, I have to think in some way, being single for 75 years, she died about the age of 75. Um, That in some way, that was hurtful to her. I mean, I was single for, I got married at 34. And oftentimes I felt the pain of rejection or the pain of loneliness. So I see that. But then also living through the deaths of the people most important to her in life. Her dad when she was 12, her mom, then her sister, and then the best friend that she served alongside for more than 30 years in Africa. Just 
any time you face the death of someone you love, there is that hole that they, that it fills or it leaves and never goes away. I mean, I've, the people that I've lost closest to me have been my grandparents. My grandparents lived next to me my whole life. And even though I left home at 18 and only returned and lived across the street from them for like six more months later on in life, they still left such a mark in my life. And my grandmother died 10 years ago, 11 years ago, right when I met my husband. And so she never got to meet him or her grandsons. And then also my grandfather just recently died this past Labor Day at 97 and he taught me to fish and he taught me to make fried catfish and french fries, drive a boat and so generous and always called me Kimberly. Both of them did. Nobody called me Kimberly up until really when I met my husband and he asked me what I wanted to be called or what I loved more. And I really said Kimberly, but then I still shorten it with most people. So it's more of a term of endearment, I think, if people call me Kimberly. So most people just know me as Kim, and that's completely fine. Um, but the reason I wanted to do the series for women on women is because I think there's so much in each person's life that we can know and experience through writing that can shape us and make us and sanctify us. So one of the things that I think will come out in every biography is some sort of pain or brokenness. She, Lilius had a weak heart. She was single. So those were kind of two quote strikes against her for being a missionary, but she went anyway and served alongside a missions organization in North Africa. She lived the last few months of her life in her room, in her bed, because she was too weak to travel, but she wrote and sketched and prayed over the Muslim women in her town. Um, she lived through the death of those closest to her in her 75 years, and she saw the brokenness of of a world religion that wasn't life-giving. So just that pain and brokenness. A few years ago, Sally Lloyd-Jones in her, I think it's in her Jesus Storybook Bible, says that Jesus comes to make everything sad become untrue. And that one quote from that book is so assuring to me because I would say that out of all the pain that I've faced in life, say the majority of it has come in the last 10 years. The majority of it, not all. I mean, there's some hurtful things that have happened, um, especially in college, that I remember vividly, but the majority of it has come in the last decade. Um, but when I hear that and can look at broken marriages and cancer, and babies born who have no hope of survival because of medical needs that they face, or um, just tears streaming down my little boy's face at hurtful things that some people have said, or the pain of church brokenness, where people don't go to church because the church has hurt them, 
that kind of brokenness is what I'm talking about, that Jesus will make all things sad become untrue when we see his face. The second thing that I think these women all will have in common is their faithfulness. They'll all be faithful to different things. But if you hear my kids screaming in the background, they're upstairs watching a movie um, with my husband. So I don't know what movie they're watching, but they're getting kind of wild. Anyway, not going to edit that out. That's real life for you. But faithfulness and One of my dear sweet friends a few years ago told me that God is not always interested in our results, but he's interested in our faithfulness. And he, she was talking about weight and the number on a scale and how fast we're losing weight. Um, Many of you probably know the struggle of weight loss or weight gain, that yo-yo battle and relationship with food. But, um, that God desires our faithfulness, whatever you find in life that God wants you to be faithful to, be faithful to it. And that may be different things in different seasons. Maybe your kids are young and you're home and you want to do something else, but God is calling you to spend a lot of your time being faithful to raising your little kids. Or maybe it's you have a job and your husband And you have talked about it and you're going to work for a set period of time. Well, be faithful to that and do that well and do that as unto the Lord. Or maybe you're doing a ministry or writing a book or doing a podcast or doing a side hustle. Be faithful to it. Know your priorities. Know what God has called you to and be faithful to it. And the third thing is that these women will offer life. One of the things said about Lilius by her best friend was that she offered quiet and the noise of life. She knew that when she visited Lilius, that there would be quiet in her soul. And she offered quiet to the people around her and quiet to her home. And that's one of the things as I've gotten older, that I would like to cultivate more in my life, in my home. Oftentimes I would rather sit on my porch or sit at my table and have someone over and have a one-on-one conversation with people rather than go to a loud restaurant or a loud coffee shop. Have to speak really loud and not feel calm. I mean, I want to be in life-giving situations and quietness is life-giving to me. And the fourth thing is that these women were all in community of some shape or form Like Lilius was single, but she did ministry for three decades with her best friend, with one friend who she lived in constant community with during those 30 years of ministry in North Africa. And I think in, in our time today, life is very transient. Like oftentimes we'll move. My husband and I have moved. I mean, since I married him and moved into his house, it's been nine moves for me in almost 10 years of marriage. So it's been a lot of moves and sometimes friendships will stay past those moves. Sometimes they won't. And I've learned that there are some friends in life that come for a certain time and maybe they won't return, but maybe they will. 
but those friends will have an impact on you. And whatever community you have, be faithful to it and cultivate deep, genuine authenticity in that community. Know them, love them. Sometimes people don't like the word like love your tribe or whatever, but I really like it because you can't be best friends with everybody. You can't. You will have really surfacey relationships, but there will be a few in your life that you'll have a deep relationship with. And those I pray will be life-giving to you and that you'll hang on to them and you'll fight for them. Um, because through community, we see God. Um, Eugene Peterson said truth comes in a relationship. He was talking about giving advice, which um, is a topic for another conversation, but there's truth in relationships, y'all. There's genuineness in relationships. There's hurt in relationships that hopefully can be mended with grace and forgiveness. But when we look at our relationships and see them as a pointer to God, as as uh, Russ Moore says, a uh, signpost, I think it's Walker Percy who uses that term, but look at our relationships, look at our community, a signpost to God. And the way we see grace and generosity of friends, may that remind us of the generosity of God, our father. When we see, um, I don't know, anything like trust, may we see that God is a truthful and a trusting and faithful God. So there are many things that you can see the good in your friends and your community that can point you to their maker. God is the maker. We are all born in the image of him. And so any good that is in us, loving, patient, gentle, when I see my husband be gentle and loving with our boys, that shows me that our father is a gentle and loving father. When I experience the generosity of a friend giving me something or giving me time, I see that God, our father desires time with us. So in each of these bio biography podcast, I want to talk about those four things, how pain interrupted their world or dominated their world whatever they were faithful to, how they offered life to who they were around at that time, and then community, who they were in community with and how their lives impacted their community. So we will do some more in the future. One of those is Anne Steele. She's a hymn writer in the 1700s. She wrote my favorite hymn. Susanna Spurgeon, wife of the famous Preacher Charles Spurgeon in the 1800s, about the same time as Lilius Trotter. And Sarah Edwards, we'll talk about her. I would love to hear who you would like to talk about um, or biographies that you have read that have greatly impacted your life. Women whose lives have shaped your own and how um, you've seen the impact of their life impact your own. So anyway, going to sign off for now and... Maybe clean up my kitchen some because I just got 
Kroger click list. And so things are all still everywhere. But um, that was one of the things I'm loving this week is the Kroger click list. My husband did the grocery shopping last night from our computer and I went and picked it up today. While I was waiting in the click list parking spot, I listened to a podcast and responded to texts so I could multitask. The one thing I don't like about ClickList is, or any like curbside pickup, is that I can't shop and I love to grocery shop. I want to pick out my produce. I'm not a meal planner per se. I just kind of have a general idea. So I want to look through the store and see, oh, that'll go good with this or, oh, that sounds good. I haven't tried that. So that's why I like grocery shopping. And then the second thing that I'm loving this week, which I want to ask everybody who's a guest on Lavish Hospitality. That's one of the things I want to do is ask them, hey, what are a few things that are making your life great right now or that you're loving? The other thing is Tune Blast and <laughs> don't laugh. But on my iPad and on my phone, I have two games and they all have time limits and I only have so many lives, but they're very mindless, kind of like Sugar Crush, Candy Crush, um, but super mindless, and I sit there and play them, especially when I wake up at 3 in the morning and I can't go back to sleep. Um, anyway, so those are two things I'm loving. Would love to hear what you're loving and what biographies you have read. And anytime you're in Augusta, come hang out at my table. We'll record a podcast and talk and chill and hang out and eat good food. So anyway, I will talk to you all later. Have a good week.